Many Christians today are doubtful, discouraged, and afraid. Now they're saved, they have trusted in Jesus and what he has done for them alone to forgive them of their sins, but they do not see how God is moving in their life or how he is working in the world today. The world wants to change God's word. They want to reverse the good order, standard, and roles that God has initially given to men and to women and to children. This is because the devil wants to ruin our lives. And many Christians wonder, well, what is God going to do about this? What will God do to fight this evil? Well, God uses people. God can use anyone, but specifically, God uses his church. Sometimes we do not see anyone being raised up to make a difference because we are all expecting someone else to do it. I've titled the sermon tonight, Be Brave, because God wants each of us to trust him enough that we will be encouraged to act boldly, to fight sin, and to stand up for God's word, and to advance God's kingdom. They say, if you give the devil an inch, that he will take a mile. Well, we've reached a point where the devil has taken several miles. He is trying to bring death and destruction to our nation our culture, our church, and our families. The enemy is trying to advance on us, but we can always draw the encouragement and the help that we need from God's word. We see in the Bible that there were times where God's people also had to face attacks from their enemies. Let's turn to Judges chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6. I'll give you guys some time to turn there. That was Judges chapter 6, and we'll, we'll look at verses 1 through 6 to start off. <clears throat> and the word of God says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midian seven years. And the hand of the Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites, and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth, till thou come unto Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass." For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Israel partakes in sin and wickedness. Israel turns her back on her loving father, And in doing so, she opens herself up to be attacked from her enemies. The Midianites invade Israel, and they drain the land of all that was good. The presence of the enemy becomes so dominant that the children of Israel run off to hide in the caves and mountains. When Israel turns their back on God, they face the consequences. 
They do this multiple times in the book of Judges, and every time that they do, they end up in a horrible predicament. But every time that they turn back to the Lord, the Lord delivers Israel, and the Lord blesses Israel. Let's look at verse number 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that it pertained unto Joash the Abiezrite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. The Midianites have been taking Israel's resources for years at this point, leaving the nation desolate and destitute. The nation has been disregarding God and embracing sin for a long time. Sound familiar? But when the children of Israel cry out to God, the Lord hears their prayers, and the Lord answers their prayers, and the Lord chooses to appear to a man named Gideon. Listen, church, if you will respond to God's calling tonight, he just might use you to be the answer to someone else's prayer. Now, when we first meet Gideon, he is hiding in a wine press in a hole in the ground, threshing wheat, a job that is usually done in an open field. But Gideon is hiding because the Midianites have been taking the Israelites' food for themselves. Gideon has not confronted the Midianites, nor has he stood up for his people. He is cowering in a hole in the ground. He does not want to stand up and do what needs to be done. Gideon, in fear, has chosen the path of least resistance. He is trying to avoid any conflict with the enemy whatsoever. Gideon is hiding from his oppressors. He does not even want them to know that he is there. Now, at this point, we might not think very highly of Gideon. Instead of standing up for his family and his friends, he is hiding in a hole in the ground because he does not want to face his fears and handle his problems. But before we get too judgmental of Gideon, let's ask ourselves, how long are we willing to ignore a problem, hoping that it just goes away? How many times do we put a task off, hoping that somebody else will take care of it? How much sin and wickedness have we tolerated in our life from our culture because we are too scared to be the one to stand up and to make a difference within our community. How often do we just do whatever it takes to get by and survive, taking the path of least resistance so that we can just avoid conflict? The angel of the Lord finds Gideon in his present cowardly state, and this is what the Lord says to him. Verse number 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. God calls Gideon, who is currently hiding in a hole in the ground, a mighty man of valor. Even though we are not where we ought to be, God sees what we are capable of becoming, and God wants us to have the faith to be brave enough to allow him to mold us into our potential. Tonight, we will be looking at a few things that we can do to have the bravery, to have the faith in God so that we can fight back against evil and advance God's kingdom. The first step that we have to take if we want to be brave is point number one. Trust the Lord, do not doubt him. Let's read verse 13. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? 
And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us, and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Gideon is looking around at the current state of his life, and the current state of his nation, and he feels like God has abandoned him. This discourages Gideon, because while he was waiting for a miracle, he instead received repeated attacks from the enemy. Now Gideon is discouraged. He views God as someone who abandoned him in his time of need. Gideon is wondering, God, where have you been and why have you allowed this to happen? This is similar to questions we might ask when we are going through a storm. We want to know where all the miracles are. But it's important to note that Israel turned away from God. God did not turn his back on Israel. Israel turned to sin. A lot of the times, the problems that we are facing, we brought onto ourselves because we wanted to control the situation instead of letting God control it. We ask questions like, God, why has our culture become so corrupted with sin? But Christians have been more focused on being tolerant instead of setting the example by being righteous. We ask God, why did you allow this to go on in our public school? Hold on. We told God that he was not allowed in our public schools. God, why did you let my life fall apart? But you rejected God's word and set up your life your way instead of God's way. When we think that our way is better than God's way, we run into some serious problems. Proverbs 14.12 tells us, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We need to humble ourselves and submit to God and turn back to doing things his way. That's when we can have success. Do not turn your back on God. Turn back to God. Christians may have been cowardly for a long time, but we can choose to turn back to God right now. And God can instill the bravery in us that we are going to need to live for him and to let his word make a difference. How welcome is God in your situation? If we told God that we do not want him in our nation, then we cannot be mad at God when our nation becomes sinful. God is always willing to take us back. God is looking for people to turn to him or to turn back to him. In Luke 15, verses 3 through 7, the Lord Jesus tells us, And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Come back to God and serve him. We should have the bravery to hand out that track and to tell the people in our lives about Jesus. We should have the bravery to tell the truth and to stand up for what is right. We should have the bravery to walk away when people start to gossip or not converse the way that they should. I would sure hope that we have the bravery to help someone in need 
or to just give someone a hand when they're struggling. Be brave enough to have some integrity. Set the example for others. That only happens when we turn back to God. That's when we can start to make a difference. First, we have to trust in the Lord for salvation. But once we are saved, we still need to trust him with our lives. Gideon might have been afraid, but that fear goes away, and he can start to change things if he will trust God. We have to trust God with everything because we cannot have real bravery trying to depend on ourselves. We can really be brave when we fully depend on the one who cannot fail. Psalm 31 verse 24 tells us, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Look at what the Lord tells Gideon to assure him and encourage him in Judges 6 verse 14. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? God says, Go in this thy might. So Gideon needs to go with whatever amount of faith he has, and God is going to take care of the rest. When you are discouraged from serving God, do your best, and God will do the rest. We see that Gideon still has some doubts. Uh, We look at verse number... 15. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am least in my father's house. Gideon wants to know, how am I going to do what you want me to do, God? What am I going to use to save Israel? Gideon then brings up his current situation. God, how are you going to use me? Not only is my family poor, But I am the least esteemed member of that family. Remember, this is who God called a mighty man of valor. We may also feel small and insignificant. But we can start to grow and be strengthened when we remember that God is the one who chose us. And God is bigger than any obstacle that we might face. Our weaknesses and flaws are not a factor to Almighty God. We might feel held back by our imperfections, but God is not. We may be asking similar questions to Gideon. God, how can I act boldly in this climate? God, how can I have the courage to tell the truth? God, how can I be brave enough to do what is right when I do not have all the experiences or necessary resources? And the Lord tells Gideon our answer in verse 16. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Now this angel of the Lord who has appeared to Gideon is not just any angel. If you notice, the Bible keeps referring to this angel as capitalized the Lord. This angel of the Lord that we see is actually the Old Testament incarnate of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that because he accepts worship. Let's look at verses 22 through 24. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet an Ophrah of the Abiezrites. Gideon is going to decide to start trusting the Lord and to stop doubting him. That is our first step. 
When we trust God and depend on him and not on ourselves, we can be brave because our God is already and always in control. Israel ran off to the mountains and caves because their sin allowed their enemy in. You do not have to run away. When you're in the right, you can be brave and stand steadfast. Proverbs 28 verse 1 tells us, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. If we are righteous, meaning if we are right with God, then we have no reason to flee our enemy. We can stand bold as a lion. Trust the Lord, do not doubt him, because Christians do not need to run. We need to boldly take action. This leads us right into point number two. Fear the Lord, do not fear man. Psalms 115 verse 11 says, Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. If God tells us in his word that we should or should not do something, we better listen because God just might be ready to move in a mighty way and we do not want to miss out. When Gideon gets on board with God's plan, the Lord is ready to use him that night. Let's look at verses 25 and 26. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock, in the ordered place, and take the second bullock, and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou hast cut down. Gideon's father Joash had an altar and a grove dedicated to a false god named Baal. God tells Gideon to tear down this altar and to cut down the grove. This bold and radical action might scare Gideon when he considers the consequences if he is caught. But God has called us to have bold and radical obedience to him. We should fear God and not man. Before Gideon can go fight the Midianites and drive the enemy out of his nation, he first has to address the sin at home and tear down his father's false idol. We first must deal with the sin in our lives before we can drive out the sin that indwells our country. In Matthew 7, verses 3 to 5, the Lord tells us, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote of thine own eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. If we want to be brave for the Lord, we need to show it. We need to fight the sin that we deal with ourselves. It's hard for a Christian living in sin to be brave or to make a difference. If we want God to drive the sin out of our land, then we first need to deal with the sin and the compromise that separate us from our Heavenly Father. This might not be easy, and this might not always be the prettiest part of the process, but God is looking for someone who is willing to trust Him and do what is right even when they are discouraged. Satan wants to punish people for choosing to be brave for the Lord, but you have to remember that nothing can hurt you unless God allows it to pass through. And if God does allow it to pass, he will ultimately use it for good. Fear the chastisement of God far, far more than you fear any consequence that could be brought on you by Satan or the world. Psalm 56 verses 3 and 4 tell us, 
What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. That same chapter, uh, let's look at verses 9 through 13. When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt thou not deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? If we can trust God to get our souls to heaven, then we can trust him with our lives here on the earth. We need to reverence God. Fear God and not man. Let pleasing God influence your actions. In Matthew 10, verses 28 through 33, Jesus tells us, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather, fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall unto the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Listen, church, God loves you. Nothing even happens to a sparrow without God first approving of it. And God loves us more than he loves the animals. God knows how many hairs are or are not on your head. God is going to take care of you, but he wants you to have courage. Do not be passive to sin culture. Do not ignore your problems. Do not just be okay with the people around you dying and going to hell. Do not hope that someone else deals with these issues. We can do something about it. If we turn our back on God, then we will have to face the consequences. But if we turn back to God and proclaim him, then we can counter-strike the devil and we can take back ground and advance God's kingdom. Serve God even when you are discouraged. The devil knows that with God using you, you can make a big impact for Christ. The devil wants you too afraid of culture and social acceptance to ever take a stand for God. But acceptance from man is a false safety net. You are actually safer when you act boldly for God. Let's look at Proverbs 29, 25. It tells us, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Acceptance from man is in fact a net, but it is not a safety net. It is a trap. A trap to keep you too scared to serve God. You are most safe in the middle of God's plan. Gideon was not completely brave yet, but he mustered up what courage he could, and he served God with it. Let's look back at Judges 6. We'll read verse 27. Then Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. Even though Gideon was afraid, he did what mattered to God anyway. We all have doubts. Do not act on those doubts. Act, on, act upon your faith in Jesus with courage. Amen. 
We have to act with courage, not doubt, because fear is just faith in the devil's plan. Fear is faith in the devil's plan, but courage is faith in God's plan. Gideon did his best, and God did the rest. If God is convicting us to do something, then that same all-powerful God wants that end result to be achieved, and God will not let his enemies win. His church will win, and we need to have faith in his plan. The strength of man cannot hurt you unless God allows it to happen. They wanted to kill Gideon for tearing down the altar of Baal and chopping up the grove. Nothing was going to kill Gideon yet because Gideon was being used by God and God was not done with him. We need not fear the world. We need to fear God. Fearing God is not some bad thing where you are terrified of your heavenly father. On the contrary, when you realize how much God loves you, you have reverence for him. And as a result, you no longer have to be afraid. The fear of God removes the fear of everything else. If I fear God, then I cannot fear anything else because I have to please my heavenly father. Psalm 118 verse 6 tells us, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? This leads us to our final point of the night. And our final lesson to becoming brave, point number three, follow the Lord into battle. Now that the sin is gone from Gideon's house, it's time to drive the enemies of God out of the nation. When Gideon sets out to take on the Midianites and drive these enemies away from his home and defend his loved ones, you'll notice that he does not go alone. In fact, Gideon brings 32,000 other men with him into battle. This shows us that Gideon was not the only one fed up with cowering from a sinful culture. When one person is brave enough to take action, you'll find that there are others that God has been preparing to fight with you. When one person is brave enough to take a stand, it inspires others to be brave as well. A good way to be encouraged when God expects you to be brave is to bring some other Christians with you. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12, tells us, Two are better than one, because they will have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken." You do not have to do this alone. Even if you are in a scenario where no one will help you, your heavenly Father will always help you. And that's more than enough for what you need. If I had 32,000 warriors with me to go accomplish something, I probably would not be intimidated. I would actually probably be intimidating. But that is just the problem. God does not want us to be brave because of our friends or because of our talents or because of our status or influence. Biblical bravery is rooted in the faith that you have in your heavenly father. God does not want us to be reassured in ourselves. Our assurance should come from God. Let's look at Judges 7 verses 1 through 2. Then Jerubal, who is Gideon, And all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod. 
so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them, by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. God tells Gideon that his army is too big. If Israel goes into battle like this, then man will receive the glory and not God. This cannot be because God deserves all glory for all things. Psalm 147, we'll look at verses 10 through 11. It tells us about God that he delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. God does not delight in how great we think we are. God takes pleasure in those who wholly rely on him. And so God tells Gideon that some of these warriors will have to go. And do you know which warriors God removes first from Gideon's army? The soldiers who were fearful and afraid are the first ones that God sends home. Let's look at Judges 7, verse number 3. Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid... Let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. Those who are afraid are not fit for the battle. Their fear revealed doubt in their life. We cannot doubt God and expect God to use us in battle. God is interested in using people who have the faith in him to be brave and act boldly, even when they are a little discouraged. So everyone who is afraid leaves, and now there are only 10,000 men for battle. But God still says that this is too many. God has Gideon dismiss even more warriors, and eventually Gideon is left with an army of only 300 men. Now we know why God is doing this. God already told us, if Israel is too impressive, then they will get the glory. 1 Corinthians verses 27-31 through 31 tells us, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption." That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. It's okay if we feel inadequate or unimpressive by ourselves. This is one way that God sets himself up to receive the glory after he works through us. If you compare the church's size to the world's size, honestly, we are outnumbered. Well, you might ask, then how can we win? How can we make an impact so that as many people as possible accept Jesus by trusting in him alone to forgive their sins? We are outnumbered, and that's where the fear is, but we are not overpowered. The church has God on our side, and God is all-powerful. That's where the bravery is. We just have to be brave enough to stand up for God's word. We have to do what God says even when it does not make sense to us, because the ROI on God's word is tenfold. Isaiah 55, verses 10 through 11 tell us, 
For as the rain cometh down, and as the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give a seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Spiritual warfare is real, but we can fight the battle with bravery because we as Christians have the most powerful weapon. We have God's word, and God's word cannot fail. People tend to have more courage when they have a weapon with them. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The church has the most powerful weapon. Allow God's word to make you brave and remove all fear because God will use his word to achieve the exact result that he wants. But a weapon is no good if you do not know how to use it. We need to know God's word. The better you know his word, the better the Holy Spirit can use you to make an impact with it. We are commanded not to hide in caves and mountains, not to flee, but to be bold and fight sin. Christians should not be on the defensive. We are to advance God's kingdom and destroy Satan's kingdom. With God on our side and his word in our hearts, the church is more powerful than anything we might fear. God's word is the truth, and truth is self-sufficient, meaning that truth can stand on its own. So regardless of how outnumbered you might be by lies and deception and propaganda, you have something very powerful And when you put the truth out there, God has a way of working to open up people's eyes and reveal to them what is good. Truth is like a tiger. You do not have to defend it. If you let it loose, it will defend itself and shred all the lies to pieces. The truth is still the truth, even if you are the only person in the whole world who believes it. We need God to give us the courage to stand up for that truth that needs to be heard. Because even if we are the only one standing, it will make a difference. And God will use it to make an impact. Apply God's truth into your situation. The truth will always make a difference. Let's finish our account of Gideon. Uh, We'll do Judges chapter 7, verses 16. We'll go all the way to verse 24. And he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me, and do likewise, and behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp, and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands 
and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the hosts ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets. And the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Bethshita in Zerorath, to the border of Abel-Meholah, unto Tabith. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali, and out of Asher, and out of all of Manasseh, and pursued after the Midianites. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all Mount Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites, and take before them the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered together themselves, and took the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. God gives Gideon and the Israelites the victory. If you notice, all 300 Israelite warriors who did what God told them to do were protected. They were unharmed the entire time. They never even had to fight. They just followed the Lord into battle, and God fought the battle. God controls battlefields. No matter what battle you're in, no matter how helpless the fight seems, God controls the battlefield. Follow God into battle. We must advance his purpose by his plan. We know that one way or another, God will give Christians the victory because God will always be victorious. God will not let Satan win. The battle might not unfold the way we expect it to, and the victory might take longer than we might hope it would, but if it's not good, then God's not done. God will make sure that his enemies lose. If you're a Christian, if you're saved then God promises you hope. My favorite Bible verse is Philippians 1.21. I want to share this with you guys. It says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is to gain. So whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with every single day, that you just keep praying would end, and it would finally be over, and you would finally be out of it. Listen, church, God promises you hope. It will be over at some point. And so you have a reason to not give up and to keep pushing forward and to trust that God is going to get you out of it. He is doing it for a reason, and there is a blessing on the other end. If God gets you out of it alive, then that is a blessing because you get to continue to serve God and to be used to do more things and to enjoy more experiences and more time here on earth with your loved ones. That's the for to me to live is Christ part. But even if you die, even if in the process, the thing that you're battling takes your life physically, that will be a victory because now you will be in heaven with Jesus and to die is to gain. Every circumstance is a win-win situation for believers. And so we need to believe that and start acting like it and be brave in the Lord. Do not wait for someone else to be brave. Do not expect someone else to take a stand. Whatever God is laying on your heart, submit to the Lord and be brave enough to act boldly for him. Let God use you to set the example. When one person is brave, it inspires other people to be brave. Let's pray.